Hello, hello, hello. I'm Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. Great to talk to you again. We're brought to you by my bookie, and we a little bonus prize from them. I'll tell you more about my bookie in a moment. What we're going to do today is preview a Thursday night game that I am extremely excited about. Two of the teams I am really high on, as you know. And then we're going to take your Twitter questions. But before we do, uh, the Locked On Network, we all put in picks we like this week. We all went to mybookie.ag and checked out the lines and picked out ones that we liked collectively. This doesn't mean I do. This is the the picks that the the network is into right now. And two of them stood out. Uh, people like the Chiefs at home giving the Steelers four. And, of course, we'll talk about that one in great detail tomorrow. And they also liked the Jets getting nine and a half at home against the Super Bowl champion Patriots. So, put some faith in the in the, uh, the entire network that all know their specific teams really, really well. Um, there you have it. So, but those, are the t- those are the games that people like from my bookie right now. Um, let's talk about tonight's game, though. Eagles go to Panthers. Three-point spread. Carolina's favored. I picked both these teams to win their division. They've both been near the top of my power ranks every step of the way. I'm a believer. I'm kind of proud of myself. I've been higher on these teams than pretty much any national analysts that I've noticed. But how do they match up against each other? That's what I'm... I mean, I feel like I know these teams well. Obviously, I like them. But how are they matching up against one another? So let's talk when Philly has the ball. They've run the ball really well, although I don't think they have great backs. Um, Their line is playing very well. Um, But Kwan Short causes great problems. That front seven in general causes great problems. I think running room is going to be tough on the road tonight. Can they protect against Short and those guys? I feel a little better about that than I do the ability for Philly to run the ball. We always know Carolina's secondary is a little bit... I got a little bit of hiccups there. Carolina's secondary is a little bit of the weakness, although I think Bradbury's really turning into a good player, good young player. The Eagles' weapons... Are good. Uh, you probably see a lot of Jeffrey on Bradbury. I think that they'll take shots deep to Tory Smith. Jeffrey Ertz has been the kind of straw that serves the drink, and I think he'll get plenty of targets. But man, Shaq Thompson, you know Shaq, Keekly, Davis, those guys are a handful in coverage, man. So you guys know I like the Eagles' offense, and I love Wentz. But I don't know that this plays out for them real, real well on the road in this matchup short week. Other side of the ball. Carolina's line has played better than expected, as has Khalil at left tackle. He's going to go against Barnett, the first-round pick, who's flashing and looking very good. Uh, Graham's coming off the other side, high-quality player. I think they'll get some interior penetration. That's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm excited to watch that. James, or not James, I always call him James. Jonathan Stewart's looking good. His numbers aren't wonderful, but I don't think he's slowing down. McCaffrey will operate out of the slot and get his carries. The receivers have played well. Dixon stepped up big last week. Funchess looks 
the best of his career. Benjamin's playing well. Newton looks like Newton lately, as I've mentioned. Um, I think the Eagles' secondary can be had. Although Jenkins is a good player, their safeties are good players, their linebackers, not the degree of Carolinas, cover a lot of ground and are pretty good space players. But I think that they can be physical with the, the Eagles with a downhill running attack. I think they can be physical with their receivers in the passing game. I could see McCaffrey having some after-the-catch, you know, goodness. And they're at home. So I don't think these teams are far off. But the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I think that the the Panthers just aren't a great matchup for the Eagles. And it's in Carolina, short week. So here I am looking at my bookie, Eagles minus Eagles plus three at Panthers. I am going to click the Carolina button right now. I've told you about my bookie in the past. You need to spread the word, of course. But ever since I've been doing this, people are always asking me to pick games. And every Friday, of, for as long as I remember, I've been on some sort of podcast picking games. And I hopefully all of you guys have been listening, or most of you have listened for a long time. And you need to spread the word to everyone to listen tomorrow, too. When we, we go, and I will go to mybookie.ag, and I will pick every game right off their spreads, uh, against the spread and straight up. But people are always asking, you know, you got the Eagles or the Panthers tonight. Well, I just told you, you know, I mean, so, you know, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. My bookie's been in this business for years and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payouts, just two business days, which is unbelievably quick for this business. You know who's going to win, right? I mean, I already told you. I got the Panthers tonight. Lay down some cash and win big tonight. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and they absolutely have been. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. They win, You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. So, join now, and my bookie will match your deposit with a 100% bonus, which is free money, folks. I don't think you need my help to figure that part out. Use our promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So, now it is on to the Twitter Thursday aspect of the show. All right, Twitter time. Um, many of you had asked about my thoughts of Adrian Peterson going to Arizona, so I'm going to give those to you right off the bat. I'm rooting for him. I mean, I hope it's not OJ with the 49ers, Franco with the Seahawks, Willie Mays with the Mets, you know, I mean, Joe Namath with the Rams. There's probably a lot of you out there that didn't know those players ended up with their careers in a nondescript, terrible situation at the end of their career in a Hall of Fame type of pace. It happens a lot. Um, Obviously, it was a pretty nondescript stint for a future Hall of Famer in New Orleans, Never understood that fit from the beginning because of his lack of receiving ability. Every year, the Saints running backs basically lead the league in running back receptions by team. Why why Peterson? Um, But I was hopeful for him because I think he's a total freak of nature. I still think he can revive his season. But it's interesting. I mean, 
he isn't anything like David Johnson. I just told you. I mean, he doesn't catch the ball well. He's not an aspect in the receiving game. But Ellington's really become that guy for them. I mean, he's really become a receiving weapon for them. And that makes sense. If you remember, I mean, they, they flirted with him being a receipt, wide out, you know, whatever you want to call him. Um, but he doesn't need to get a lot of carries. I mean, I think Ellington will continue to get a lot of catches. But I think that they're going to try to take some pressure off of Palmer and try to get a downhill running game going. Maybe play action, deep shots to Brown and those type of guys. Nelson off of that. I'm not saying Peterson's going to be the foundation of their offense, but they need some sort of sustaining running threat that they could hand the ball to over and over. I know their line's not very good, but they don't have that at all right now. So, of course, David Johnson's irreplaceable, but if the running aspects of Peterson and the receiving aspects of Ellington add up to 75% of Johnson a much more predictable version, obviously, and they may be in the, in the game together at times, too, then you can at least sort of do what you want to do. So I think it's worth the risk. Uh, Paul Hodges asks, if the Saints end up 7-9, and 8-8 nine, eight and eight in that neighborhood and miss the playoffs again, put your GM hat on, what do you do? A few years of middle of the pile. That's a tough one. I mean, I, I assume you're going with, what do I do with Sean Payton? What do I do with Drew Brees? Drew Brees is a free agent after this year, if you don't know. I don't know how you let him go. Um, they've been a... But this, the Saints have been like this for a long time. They always have a great offense. They put a lot of resources in the defense, and it doesn't pay off. Um, they are showing signs of life over there, and I think you kind of keep the track. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat of a fan of blow this thing up, and but... To let Breeze walk for nothing, I mean, I think I'd rather franchise him to big money, draft a dude, at least a second, third round type guy, or get Bridgewater and say, hey, you're going to learn from Breeze for a year and we'll hand it over to you or something like that. Or do you let Breeze walk and go sign a Bridgewater or somebody like that, start over, use a lot of money on defense for the first time? This, that's a tough call. Um, I don't think you blow it up, but I think if you keep the status quo, you end up 7-9, 8-8 again. <laughs> I mean, that's not an easy answer to me. Chris White asked, do the Packers have enough young talent on defense to make the D good enough by the end to allow them to challenge Atlanta, Seattle, Philadelphia, etc.? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, Aaron, Rod Aaron Rodgers rises all ships. I mean, that's the key here. The offense is quite good. They found a guy in Aaron Jones. Montgomery comes back. Their tackles are finally healthy. So the offense is going to be really good. Um, Clay Matthews looks better to me than in previous years. Perry's still a quality player. Daniel's great. Secondary, yeah, I like HaHa Clinton Dix a lot. Uh, guys like King look like they're stepping up. And Jones is a good-looking prospect, you know, just going forward. So, yes, I mean... I think the NFC is much more competitive and deeper than the AFC. But I don't know if there's a powerhouse that's noticeably better than Green Bay. And you get teams coming there in the playoffs. That's a tough gig. So, yes, I mean, I do think the defense could be good enough for the Packers to compete with any NFC team and maybe win the Super Bowl. All right, Sean Murray asks, why do people assume Garoppolo will be a raging success when he leaves New England? 
Mallet and Hoyer have done nothing since leaving. Castle was a disaster. I guess that's fair. Um, I am in the the Garoppolo camp. And I think what's different than those guys is I'm quite sure the Patriots could have secured a first-round pick or more for Garoppolo, and they didn't. You know, that I think they know that he has a chance to be Tony Romo good. You know, it's pretty good. You know, I mean, that's borderline Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that Garoppolo's a Hall I should have never said the word Hall of Fame. But a starting quarterback in the NFL, and there aren't a lot of those in the world. Um, I also think that they look at it like, you know, what if Brady breaks down this year? We don't want our season to be shot. We want to keep him around, and we think we can still win this division, compete for a title without Brady. Obviously, that'd be a massive blow. But I also think that maybe he's their starter next year. I mean, I don't think that's crazy talk. I mean, it would be, you know, an unbelievable development if Brady were to leave or play somewhere else. I mean, but I think they really like him. I think he's accurate. He's poised. He's a good athlete. He has to have a great feel for the system. Um, that's going to be the most interesting quarterback situation of an offseason um, that are, you know, it's going to be littered with them. Mike Foster asks, how often are NFL teams eliminated from the playoffs in October? Well, contrary to popular belief, nobody is eliminated. You know, you look at some of these 0-5 teams, Giants come to mind and think, could they rebound like crazy? I mean, if they were healthy, I would say maybe it's a possibility and it would shock the world. I mean, but, I mean, the bad teams start bad. And I think the Giants are a better team than San Francisco or certainly Cleveland. But without Odell, I think their season's over. Um, the thing that, I guess to answer your question, the... I've learned not to overreact in this business because teams go on hot streaks. You know, you win five or six in a row and you're a one in four team right now. It goes a long way. You know, you beat a couple division foes on the way and all of a sudden you're right back in it. You know, even just a couple weeks ago, it looked like Cincinnati was out of the playoff picture and they're not too far off. Pittsburgh's stumbling. They're, you know, Cincinnati's putting games together. Uh, I, I did that earlier in my career where I would say things like, this team's done. They stink. You know, in the NFL, there's just too much good players and good, you know, high-quality action there that to say such things. And teams do rebound. So along those lines, GoPats asks, if you had to predict the AFC playoff seedings come January, what would they look like? Who ends up as the number one seed? All right, well, I still think your Pats win the East. I still think my Stillers win the North. The South, I think Jacksonville has a chance because of the Watt injury, the Merciless injury, the Mar Mariota injury. But boy, I don't know about that. I'm going to go with Tennessee in the South, reluctantly. Kansas City in the West. And now we have to come up with two wildcard teams, and I can't take one out of the South. I mentioned Cincinnati. Ugh, I'm not doing that either. I'm not going with Miami, Buffalo, or the Jets. Or Baltimore. Doesn't leave a lot. <laughs> so, I guess the Raiders get in. And I guess Denver gets in. 
and the seedings go something like this. One KC, two New England, three Pittsburgh, four Tennessee, ooh, host a team and probably lose, five Denver, six Oakland. So that would mean Oakland would travel to Pittsburgh and Denver would travel to Tennessee where I would take the Broncos. <laughs> Pablo Meyer asks, should the Giants trade assets for draft picks and rebuild? I think this is a really good question. Especially if you're, as the organization, thinking they're going to move on from McAdoo, that would lean towards yes. I mean, if you could get someone to take Eli off your hands and his 17 or 18 million, whatever it is, I think you let him roll. And with the intentions of playing Webb, for better or worse, a little bit, at least a little this year, and drafting somebody or bringing in a Bridgewater or a Bradford or somebody like that. Um, the defense, though, no. Like, I'm not saying you trade Landon Collins or Pierre Paul, or certainly not Odell. I don't know who, I mean, I guess the, the answer is no, because who are their assets? Their assets are all on defense. I'm not blowing up the defense. I don't think the defense is broke. It's more like beg somebody to take Eli so you don't have to pay him and you can use that money elsewhere. But Brandon Marshall's heart, I mean, nobody's going to take him, obviously. You don't trade Odell, you franchise him. You know, you keep Shepard. Nobody wants your running backs or offensive linemen. You're not trading Engram. So the answer is no. I mean, I'm not selling off all the pieces and blowing it up. But I'm looking at the offense through a totally different lens and saying we might have to totally reevaluate what we're doing on this side of the ball. And Fred Rogers asks, speaking of which, his icon is Mr. Rogers. Fred Rogers, for you guys that are my age and know who that is, it's Fred Rogers giving me the bird, which I like. And he's a big contributor to my timeline throughout. And he's a big fan of the podcast. Um, not to mention, Steelers Training Camp has a Fred Rogers building at St. Vincent College. Yeah, just a little tidbit. But he's an Ask the Steelers question. Bear with me. Why does it take the Steelers so long to get going? They were 4-5 and five in 2016. They were 4-4 four and four in 2015. 3-3 three and three in 2014. 2-6 down in 2013. Now 3-2 and two with good, healthy roster and easy schedule. I think it's enough of a trend to ask that question. I am hitting retweet as we speak so all my Steeler peeps can see that. And I'm sure you all that will have many differing opinions, mostly about saying Tomlin stinks and all this. This year, I think their goal in training camp was to stay healthy. And you saw that across the league, but I thought the Steelers did it at least as much as anyone. Anyone that had a hangnail didn't practice, didn't play, um, and therefore you start kind of slow. Um, I do think teams more than ever look at September as an extension of the preseason. New England comes to mind. You know, you try a lot of things. Remember last year they were shuffling in, you know, linemen in and out. Um, I just don't think the Steelers are playing well. And a lot of it's quarterback-related, offense-related. But I don't have a great answer. I mean, but it is a Tomlin trend. It's also like, why does Tomlin teams lose on the road against what are considered inferior opponents? You know, lose on the road when they're favored at my bookie. Um, they're trends. I mean, they're, they're negatives on his coaching resume, which has been very strong. 
But do I have a great answer for it? Why it happens, you know, repeatedly? Not really. Last question. Lennon Landry asked me, please tell me the solutions, if there are any, to the Bills' offensive woes. Different blocking scheme, utilizing Taylor's mobility even more, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I hate to say it. I just think they don't have talent. You know, I think their line's okay. McCoy's great, but everything is through McCoy. They have his, they're right there with the Bears for the worst pass catchers in the league. I like Taylor, but you have to play a certain way with him, and I could see why coaches don't want Taylor as their quarterback. I don't think he's playing poorly, but I don't think he's going to be the Bills guy for long. I, I, you know, I think that they will need McCoy's replacement soon. Um, Clay is now hurt, but they probably are fine at tight end. They need a number one receiver. Uh, more than anything, I just think they're undermanned from a personnel standpoint. And I know the offense is struggling, but I think it will all year. And they're going to have to dedicate a lot of resources to that side of the ball. And they have a ton of picks to do so. So I think it's exciting to be a Bills fan right now. And I think they have their coach, who is, looks like he's doing a really good job with an undermanned roster, somewhat on both sides of the ball. A lot of resources to go get your people. Quarterback, to me, is a long-term question. Still wouldn't shock me if we saw Peterman for the last month of the season or so. Uh, but, you know, that's where they're at. Um, I just think that they are short on talent. There's not really any way around that. All right, that's a wrap. Go check out mybookie.ag. Use our promo code LOCKEDON. And we will pick the rest of the games tomorrow.